<clears throat> one of the uh, the things that comes up when we have a, a funeral like this, uh, somebody's body lying in, in the chapel of rest for a few days, people spending time close to the corpse and then uh, say reflecting upon the, the ending of a life. Uh, whether it's people from the family camp or whether it's uh, uh, lay visitors or, or monastic residents and the uh, kind of questions that come up in people's minds are, you know, well, uh, where, where is this being gone or have they gone anywhere or, or what, what do Buddhists believe about what happens after you die? And uh, Usually the, the response I give is, well, it depends which Buddhist you talk to because it varies a lot. <laughs> but... Uh, for my for myself, I feel that the, the uh, what's represented in the teachings um, by the the Buddha himself uh, is something I've always felt quite comfortable with, rather than uh, the kind of materialistic view that some uh, uh, modern day Buddhists and also uh, of past times have that uh, there is all of the speech uh, the speech of the Buddha about past lives and future lives and different realms of existence that. The materialistic approaches to it, well, that's all just kind of symbolic and it doesn't really, doesn't really exist and, and that uh, it's just this life is the only thing. And there's a strong themes, particularly in the current age, for that uh, materialistic approach towards Buddhist practice. People might be very dedicated Buddhists, but just sort of edit out that whole past lives, future lives, other realms of existence um, from the picture. And, you know, it's, it, people are welcome to have their own perspectives, but uh, I've always felt quite comfortable with the idea of past lives and future lives and different realms of being. In fact, I remember as a child when I first came across the idea of past lives when I was about seven, that the feeling was, well, that makes much more sense. You know, the idea of coming out of nowhere and then living one, one life as a person and then going off to heaven or hell forever, that seemed really weird. Because you'd say, well, how long is eternity? And then, whoa, really long, <laughs> long, long time. So you just get 70 years as a person, then you get millions and millions and millions and billions of years uh, <clears throat> in some other place. So that I got as far as, well, that doesn't make sense. But uh, anyway, uh, I've always felt quite comfortable with that perspective uh, individually, myself. And uh, the, when we consider well where where is a, a being gone what has what has happened after uh, a being has died then the, the usual answer that I give is when people say well what carries on if also if all, all things are not self what carries on the simple answer I, I usually give is habits habits the things that the mind loves the things that it hates the things that are familiar to it uh, the the degree to which the mind is uh, attached to any uh, Objects to the family, to possessions, to a place, to smells and sights and tastes and touches. Then the degree to which the mind is bonded to those particular perceptions, then that uh, that bonding, that uh, that habit, that uh, creates a, a a directionality for consciousness. The consciousness will gravitate in the, the direction where it can experience those kind of contacts or smells or sights or sounds, those uh, situations uh, once again. So that's the perspective that I have. It make, that makes sense. And just as the kind of things that you did yesterday are the kind of things that you do today, <laughs> then uh, it's uh, across one day to another, across one year to another, and similarly across one lifetime to another, the process uh, seems to work in exactly that way. When, um, when 
particular visitor came to the Buddha, Vachyagota, and asked the Buddha, when one life has come to an end and before another life has begun, what is it that sustains a being from one life to the next? The, the Buddha says uh, it is kamupadana, tanupadana is the, uh, the thing that uh, sustains the consciousness, which literally means uh, craving is the fuel, uh, attachment is, the, is the, the fuel. And then he gives the image of a, when there's a forest fire and a flame leaps from the branches of one tree to another, then the, the flame is sustained by the air, by, by the oxygen. Then he said that's what sustains uh, a being, an individual, that individuality is the, that, um, that, that grasping or that, that craving the attachments of the mind to those particular uh, qualities. <clears throat> so uh, one of the most dangerous thoughts to have is never again. <laughs> so if, uh, if it were, if I'm, whatever realm I'm going to be born in, as long as I'm not near him, I'll be happy. That's fatal <laughs> because it, that uh, hatred and aversion creates as strong as a bond. Is. Well, as long as I'm near him, or, or her, as long as I get close to, uh, to that person, uh, you know, I'll be happy. That aversion and fear and, and love are, are equally strong bonds. And so that uh, when the, the, uh, the Buddha was giving advice to his cousin uh, Mahanama, and Mahanama was the ruler of the Sakyans, and he's asking the Buddha if some, you know, I'm the ruler of the country, people ask me for advice as they come to the end of their life. Well, what what should advice what advice should I give people when they're on their deathbeds? And then the Buddha gives Mahanama this really uh, uh, interesting succession of of uh, say pieces of advice. And he says uh, <coughs> to speak to someone who's on their deathbed, say, "Well, are you still worried about your your family, your your um, your spouse, your children?" <coughs> and they say, "Yes, I am." So, well. Whether you worry about your spouse and your children or you don't worry about them, you're still going to die anyway. So uh, it's much better for you just to let go of them and, uh, and to, uh, uh, say, to not be uh, obsessing and worrying your mind about that. And so too with, uh, with possessions, with their, their property and so forth. And then uh, after that, uh, say, uh, so basically saying, notice what you're worrying about. Consider well, whether I worry about it or not, it's still gonna, I'm still going to die anyway. So... Uh, why bring worry into the picture? To let go, to let go. And then uh, <clears throat> the, um, uh, the second part of the teaching, the Buddha says uh, uh, that if you let, let go of all of your attachments to the family, to your possessions, to your status, um, then, uh, what, uh, then you should fix your mind in being reborn into one of the, the heavenly realms. And then, uh, <clears throat> so then uh, considering, well, why should I... Uh, if I fix my attention on being born in the Tavatinsa heaven, why should I just settle for the, the heaven of the 33? I could aim higher. I could, why settle for that? I could aim for the being reborn in the, the uh, Tusita heaven. Or uh, if I, why should I aim for the Tusita heaven? I should be aimed to be, uh, to be born, born in the, the Brahma world. And then finally, at the end of the teaching, it goes on quite a while, he says, why uh, uh, <coughs> you should then bring to the attention of the person, why settle for being reborn in the, the Brahma world when you can set your mind on not being reborn at all. And uh, so, so to such a one, you should recommend that they let go of uh, attachment to identification. So that is, the Pali word for that is Sakaya Niroda, for the cessation of identity. Uh, and to uh, let go of the sense of being a person, being this individual, and to uh, aim the attention at 
letting go of identification altogether. So Sakaya Niroda is not a, a very common word in the, in the Pali teachings. And then the Buddha makes this really interesting comment. He says, uh, if uh, such a one focuses their attention on that cessation of identity, there is no difference between that person, uh, if it's a, a lay person who's uh, realizing that at that moment, or an arahant who's been enlightened for a hundred years. There is no difference between the, the quality of, of mind. So that's, uh, again, a fairly unique statement uh, of the Buddha in the, in the Pali Canon. But in terms of, of death and approaching death and, and where to go and where, where one uh, should uh, intend to go, I feel that's a really uh, ideal advice, is uh, to incline the mind towards the <coughs> letting go of, of possessiveness, uh, letting go of attachments and aversions and fears, to let go of nationality and gender and age and achievements or lack of achievements, to, uh, <clears throat> to aim the mind towards states that are wholesome, and uh, ultimately towards uh, that uh, insight into not-self, to Sakaya Niroda, the cessation of identity, the cessation of the, the mind, uh, the identifying with any condition whatsoever, with, with uh, being a person, with being a, a being. <laughs> but uh, to let go of everything. And that's the greatest, uh, most kind and uh, helpful encouragement when someone is uh, approaching their end. So, uh, and just to, to finish by sharing a little story, uh, so uh, Steve was a, a monk in our community for more than 20 years. Uh, he uh, was very committed, incredibly sincere and dedicated as a monk and very sincere in his practice as a layperson. But uh, as he said, when I was talking with him, uh, a couple of weeks before he died, uh, that he realized he still had work to do. He definitely had not reached the end of the path. He still had work to do. and uh, <clears throat> uh, But uh, he also had experienced great spiritual benefit, a kind of unshakable quality of, of uh, understanding and, and uh, peacefulness within him that was also there. And certainly when he was lying in the chapel of rest, the times I went to visit him, there was a very... Not exactly a smile on his face, but certainly a kind of benign and peaceful expression. And um, I've been around enough dead bodies to 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 know that um, that it's not always that way. <laughs> Sometimes people, will, after they've died, they've still got a kind of, <laughs> kind of scowl on their face, or they they are in a state of tension. Uh, but Steve's expression was uh, really quite very open and bright. And just to share a little story of something that happened last night. Um, so yesterday evening, the uh, uh, the family camp, uh, they, every year they have a little um, ceremony, a dedication for Declan, uh, who was the, the son of uh, Jez Griffin and Pamela Bruckshaw. And he, uh, he died at, just before the age of two uh, during the family camp many years ago, in the late 80s, I think 1989. He was born with a brain tumor. And uh, the parents didn't know. And then uh, he was here on the family camp. And uh, uh, he was a bit sickly and uh, went to the, the hospital. And they said, oh, he's just kind of recovering from the journey. Uh, he's still car sick or he's got the flu. But they just uh, brushed it off and sent him back. So he was here with, uh, with his mom and dad. And then uh, suddenly he stopped breathing. So he was rushed off to hospital and... Uh, helicoptered to Great Ormond Street Hospital and died in the hospital in London. And so then they brought, they were given permission to bring his body back here. So we had the funeral here um, at uh, Amravati during the, the summer camp. So that was an extremely powerful event, both for the parents and the, the whole 
family camp. And during the time that um, uh, he was here, uh, uh, the then uh, sister Siripanya was building the, the flint stupa in the middle of the Buddha grove. And Declan, he is, usually have a little bit more energy and be a bit more kind of uh, up and about in the afternoon. So his mum would take him out to see Sister Siripanya building the stupa, and he'd like to put a few rocks in and help uh, help her building <laughs> at the age of two. And so uh, when he died, then that stupa was dedicated for him. So there's a little sign there saying, for Declan, uh, uh, who died. And uh, <clears throat> so last night, and every summer camp, there's a ceremony, uh, Jez and then Declan's sister, um, and a little, her little baby, she's got a, a child now, uh, they... And the whole of the, the family camp went, uh, went out to do their evening ceremony of uh, puja and dedication for him and recollection of Declan and other family members who passed away. And uh, uh, apparently uh, last night a, a father and a son said to me that while they were there in the ceremony, they saw Steve standing in front of the stupa. Well, the, the father saw it. Uh, Steve standing there with his arms out. looking extremely peaceful and happy. So the dad's first thought was, oh, well, I'm, well, I'm just imagining things. That's just me missing him. And, well, you know, he was, he was a really nice guy. And so this is just my mind conjuring up an image. And then he talked to his son, and his son said, do you see Steve? And the son was seeing exactly the same thing. So if you happen to be a materialist Buddhist <laughs> who think when you're born, you're born, and when you die, you die, and there's nothing whatsoever after it, then I share that particular experience of these two people with you uh, that, that occurred yesterday evening, right down in the Buddha Grove. So, offer this for reflection this morning.